0: you know america's all about hot badass nasty speed I and mean, that's how you got to play the game
1: of hockey ladies and gentlemen welcome back to behind the mask i'm Ryder Dosich joined alongside jacob stinson and jacob phillips how you gentlemen doing on this fine tuesday evening
2: all right, the Blues lost their first game finally. Oh, so geez, here we go.
1: Let <laughs> <laughs> me check the rhetoric score right now.
2: Um, they're playing the Devils right now, so it doesn't count. I, when I was walking on the way here, uh, they were the Devils. They were slid. losing. Jeez. The, the, Devils, the Devils were winning last I checked. But I mean, eh, the Blues are still three and one, so hard to complain too much. But.
0: Yeah, bit of a score update. New Jersey Devils are up 4-1 against yeah, Detroit. Yeah,
1: I see. I, I I saw that on my phone. I wasn't going to say that just because I was going to, you know, move on, but hey, um uh, Detroit hasn't lost in a regulation yet in the game, so that I mean, unless they score three goals and tie it up and then do something crazy, that's probably going to end tonight. But anyways, we're talking MSU hockey. We got we got a lot to talk about. Very interesting uh series sweep coming out from MSU against LIU, so Nothing nothing too crazy of an opponent, but MSU did pick up a sweep, and that's something we got to talk about. So MSU, first game, Friday night, pick up the 3-1 dub, not really the interesting game out of the two, and we'll obviously get to the more interesting game, but first game of the weekend, it's a 3-1 win, it's solid, Hertig uh, comes back into the lineup, he had a little bit a weird eligibility crossover from a, a league out in Europe, he played four games in, which made him ineligible to play four games here in the States, but he has sat that out over the first two series, and he came back in this series, and yeah, MSU won 3-1. Dylan St. Cyr got the start again. I mean, didn't really have to do much. I think it was 15 shots, so he made 14 out of 15 saves, but uh, what do you guys see in game one?
0: Well, I will say, to give Long Island some credit, they did have some very clear two-on-one breakaways that if it weren't for St. Cyr quickly switching to the other, uh, quickly closing up the gap in the goal, I think uh, would have been a much different game. So I, I've got to give LIU and, of course, Dylan St. Cyr a little bit more credit on that.
1: We'll stick
2: to that. Even tabs. then, too, yeah. Also, that the one goal LIU did score in that game was a breakaway off a really bad turnover. But, yeah, I mean, those are the, the breakaways and stuff. You can't really ex- go into it expecting your goalie to make those kind of saves. And yeah, one goal is fine. I mean, they put up three anyway, so it didn't really matter that much in the grand scheme of things, I guess.
0: Especially when you're talking about Dylan Saint Cyr, who is one of the shorter uh, college goalies out there. I mean, he's only uh, what five eight, I believe.
2: Yep, listen as five eight on the on the spreadsheet.
0: So it's really impressive seeing how quickly he can move, kind of uh, within the crease, and just able to grab a lot of those shots out of midair.
2: Yeah, I feel like at that size, you kind of have to be more athletic like that you're not you're not going to survive as a goalie if you're 5'8 and you can't really move side to side very well um granted if you go on the other hand uh the goalie that michigan state did face uh it was kind of the opposite he vinnie papura the goalie for liu he moves actually pretty well for his size but he's also like six foot six um or something kind of absurd like that Uh, and he but he he moved pretty well for his size too which i thought but uh, that's kind of just a general trend though with goalies, is like the taller ones always are the ones that, you know, if you get them moving side to side, they're pretty easy to beat.
1: And Dylan Saitsier, I think he's the perfect mix and he has to be at five foot eight, but he's the perfect mix of tactical and athletic. And he like he crosses both of them in just beautifully. He's like very easy comparison to Yossi Saros, but like, you know, it's it's something if you're if you're smaller, you have to be you have to excel on both sides of the goalie game, which there's more, you, you kind of can break down goalies into two categories, not really for every goalie, but there's the athletic side, and then there's the technical, sound-to-the-game studious side, and he's a perfect mix of both, and it's honestly been a joy to watch him play five out of six games start to start the season, and he's looked good, and I at first I was doubting if he would be the number one guy in the net, but now through six games, I don't have a doubt in my mind that this guy's number one. So it's it's cool to see him step up, uh, step up into this role really in his sixth collegiate year.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, St. Cyr has been, I think, yeah, I, I was always kind of I was not, the, the whole Saint Cyr thing was interesting because I would well one, when it was announced that he was committing to state, I thought it was funny because the, uh, it was like within a day of Nightingale getting hired. Um mm-hmm. and then the other goalie that they had originally had decommitted at the same time. And just the way everything all played out was was really funny to me, the timing of it. Uh, but then regardless, like, yeah, being a 5'8 goalie who's now in his, what, six-year playing college? Um, like, I don't know. I, I just didn't quite know what to expect. But, like, dude has been sol- as solid as you could possibly ask for in that game uh, and so far this year. So, it, yeah, I mean, hard to, hard to argue with it so far. But even then, um, outside of St. Cyr, all in all, I thought pretty good uh, all-around performance from the team, too. A um, bunch of guys getting their first goals of the year. Nico Mueller, Dave Gucciardi, Carson Dorwart all scored. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were getting some really good looks, too, at that, obviously. Dominating the, the shots on goal, 30-15 uh, to 15 overall.
1: Four shots of the first, five shots in the second, six shots in the third. For LIU, those numbers are do not look good on a score sheet.
2: Yeah, I mean, St. Cyr didn't have... I mean, he had some tough quality looks that he, that um, were given up every now and again, but all in all, wasn't like getting peppered with shots or anything like that, the way MSU did over the weekend.
0: Yeah, I think for at least for this game, I think uh, Michigan State's four check looked a lot better, and I think you know, looking at the shot numbers, yeah, of course, limiting uh, your opponent to fifteen shots, uh, Michigan State doubled the the shot count on their opponent. I think. That speaks for itself.
1: Yeah, and MSU in this one, you talked, Jacob. You talked about first-time goal scores for MSU. Mueller got one, his first. Uh, Gucci already got his first this season, and Dorworke got his first. Something that I'll to my own horn real quick. In uh, last week's episode, when we were talking about how MSU would win, I was I was talking about how they needed to start the periods well. If you looked at the Bowling Green and the Lowell series both games each period well not every period but a lot of periods you could see that MSU didn't start as strong and it's not like they they were sluggish but you saw you saw Notre or not Notre Dame sorry we'll talk about them you saw Bowling Green score within the first couple minutes of a couple periods that weekend and then also Lowell scoring in the first couple minutes and MSU would be down to have to get back up in those games but for this one the 3-1 win on Friday Mueller scored 52 or 56 seconds into the first period Gucciardi scored a minute and 21 seconds into the second. They started hot to start out the period, and that's ultimately what won them the game. They got the lead, and they never looked back. I mean, they uh, was LAU was able to tie it up at one one, but after the second, MSU pushed it to three one, and they, I mean, not super exciting game, but they looked comfortable and they won the game. And yeah, moving on to uh, moving on Saturday. Anything else for game one, guys?
2: I mean, to be fair, I think we have to that first goal from from Mueller, though, you kind of have to discredit a little bit. Uh, the defenseman for L.A.U. Oh, put that one in on his own goal. <laughs> so, I mean, it is it is what it is, but it's like you can't, I don't know, I don't think you, you can't necessarily say, oh, this is an absolute highlight reel from Nico Mueller right here. <laughs> <If> it, <laughs>
1: yeah. That one's not going on the reel for
2: sure. But, I mean, hey, a goal is a goal. That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. but
1: Amazu can use some, some goal luck, especially over the past two years.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, even then, to start the year they were having issues where um, it was kind of a situation of they were dominating the shots on net and statistics like that. And this, the conversion rate of actual shots into goals was just not going in. Like, those goals were just not going in. I think they ran into some really hot goalies to start the year. Um, as well, from... UMass Lowell and Bowling Green both to an extent. Um, yeah, Grigals and Zach Rose respectively, yeah. Yeah. And then well, Henry Welsh was the guy. Welsh, yeah. Yeah, standing on his head in that game. Um, But, I mean, all in all, it's nice to see them kind of get that, that breakthrough and man, they got that breakthrough the next day as well. God, gosh darn.
0: <laughs> yeah, I will say... give uh, it a PG. Kind of to close out this first game, I remember that last UMass Lowell game uh, Adam Nightingale said that they really pride themselves on being a a good third-period team, and a lot of the action in that game came in third period. Of course, Michigan State not able to close that one out, but scoring, uh, getting it to within one goal in that period, this was a very different game where third period was just pure clock management for Michigan State. Neither team scored. It was all about keeping uh, defense strong and making sure that that insurance goal by Carson Dorwart stayed up there. So very different game than what uh, what we've seen with uh, them facing UMass Lowell.
2: What I think has been cool too is they they like to play a lot of like a Michigan State does. They like to play a, like very much a possession based game, which is funny to especially I well to Ryan also especially for being on dealing with this team last year. Like that was one of the issues we always had was they could not keep the puck on their own stick to save their life. Uh and now it's like almost the exact opposite. They love keeping that puck in the offensive zone and they're good at it. And they yeah, like I said, like in that third period and stuff like that, when they are going into kind of clock management mode, playing with the lead a little bit, the equivalent of running the football, uh, you know, when you're up in the second half, is like, yeah, they were able to kind of just basically like keep away for a lot of that too. Like you know, just really working the clock, just moving the puck around, kind of tiring defense out a little bit. So you can't really get beat in transition like that. Um, and just really setting up shop in the offensive zone is something that I think you can see have been doing really well. And it's something I've been very impressed with.
1: And speaking to that, moving on into game two, uh, MSU able to put a lot of those pucks in the net. They scored eight goals. They eventually won 8-4. It was the last eight-goal game MSU's had since the 2013-2014 season when they had an 8-2 victory over Princeton. And MSU also had 50 shots. When's the last time... We, anybody's seen MSU score eight goals and put up fifty shots in the game? This year well, is different. This team is different. This well, is, so the this eight
2: goals, cool. I can tell you that one exactly. The year of that one is two thousand thirteen. Oh, I, I I just said that. No, you didn't. See, I don't think you said the year specifically. Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, did I you? Hope so. I wasn't listening. <laughs> uh, it was two 2000- thousand. <laughs> Thanks, Stitz. I Sorry. appreciate I didn't, it. I didn't hear it. It was two thousand thirteen. They were playing Princeton. They put up eight goals. Uh, so been a minute. Been a hot it's, minute. It's been a minute. Yeah, but the thing that really struck—I uh, always find it funny because you know we're looking at that that the big glaring number on the score sheet next that aside from you know the eight goals is uh, is the fifty shots on goal compared to what was it twenty four for LAU
0: 27
2: 27 okay um, but so when you see like that just utter domination in the in the in the shots on goal totals like that's something that State's been doing like all year. And that's kind of the, the weird part too. So I this is one thing I've been looking at. <laughs> the, that's kind of the weird part.
1: Whoa, they're shooting the puck. Is, well, and they're whoa. like
2: they're you know completely outplaying the other teams in that aspect specifically. Yeah. Um. So they I'm gonna I want to draw you guys' attention to the uh, to the advanced analytics of the world, right? So, this isn't too advanced, but it, there's this stat out there. It's called a Corsi 4 percentage
1: ah yes i have heard about this a, a couple times yeah, yeah. I,
2: I i wonder from where <laughs> what i've been talking talk about it on the pod before yeah last pod <laughs> oh did i oh well i so i'm i just wanted i looked at it now last year uh i was comparing this now to last year's team so after this weekend state has the second best in the country at 63 who's,
1: and a- who's first michigan Oh, okay, that's a cool one, too, right there. And okay,
2: part of that, too, I think Michigan also has kind of an outlier on theirs because they play Lindenwood to start yeah. of the year, um, which, I, you know, shout out St. Louis and my, my home city and all that. But, like, they outshot them 55 to 21. Oh, my God. And then. 55 shots. The second game was 41 to 17.
1: If you're a keeper and you have to save, well, you have to face 55 shots in a game, holy moly. Um, I pray for that keeper.
2: <laughs> yeah, but still, so they have the second, their core C percentage is like the second best in the country after Michigan, right? Yeah. Um, and they're dominating in that regard. You want to know where uh, the same team of a year ago ranked nationally in that exact category? Do tell. Uh, out of 59 teams, uh, 56. It's a complete flip to the script this year. They were four. Last year was forty two point seven percent. This year is sixty three
1: point And the number will go down a lot a with Big well, Ten play. Well, yeah, oh, no, it's going to go down a lot. With it Big will, 10 play. but so like will it's Michigan's. one of
2: those things too. It's like it's one of those. Will
1: Michigan? No, it will. It will. <laughs> it will
2: even for, out. Well, for both MSU and Michigan, off the top of this list, right? Ohio State's three, and Penn State is four. Wow. So if we're keeping the Big Ten involved in this.
1: Did you did you uh, sort for Big Ten teams only or the no, whole entire fifth is country? Bemid,
2: fifth is Bemidji and Western.
1: Oh wow, Bemidji's up there. Okay. Um, Bemidji, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: regardless, though. Regardless, uh, it's kind of funny the way Adam Nightingale talks about um, like those numbers and stuff like that. He like straight up does not care about like shot totals and anything like that because he he. It makes a point in his press conferences to say, like, yeah, we don't pay attention to shots, like actual shots on goal. We what we look for is quality scoring chances, and like, well, yeah, what what they define as you know, high like kind of high danger chances and stuff like that. Uh, And even then, they're still like dominating in those areas too, which is nice. But like, he doesn't. He also doesn't like to pay attention to matchups. He said, Uh, and like, you know, specifically of like a, how do we beat this goalie specifically? or anything like that. He doesn't like to play by matchups. The the word he used for, I believe, was developing scoring habits. And basically I like that. having like a kind of a consistent play style across um like across all games of, that are conducive to pl- to scoring goals no matter who you're going against. Uh and that's kind of what I think I'm starting to see with this team. Yeah, we're seeing that. Yeah. yeah. Like they legitimately are consistently getting First, dominating that possession time, and then also getting to the net and actually getting inside and getting goals like the three that we saw from Jagger Joshua. They they weren't exactly like highlight real snipes or anything like that. A lot of it was just cleaning up the garbage that and rebounds and stuff that were left in front. The Jagger Joshua special. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're Jagger Joshua and you have that size, why wouldn't you? Yeah, and,
1: and you noted it. Jagger Joshua hat trick in the game two in the eight four victory. His first hat trick of his collegiate career mm-hmm. and um the five out of the eight goal scorers on that game were actually first time goal scorers so you mentioned the three first time goal scorers in the previous game the 3-1 victory against lau there were five out of eight goal scorers that scored their first goals jack joshua obviously getting his first jesse tucker got his first of the season cole krieger also got his first good to see his offensive game finally put one through Uh, David Gucci already got his second of the season. That was all the scoring in the first for MSU. Then it was power play goal by Nash Neenhouse, his first of the season. Jagger Joshua followed up with another one in the second. And then the third, Jagger Joshua finished the Hattie on the power play. And then Nash Neenhouse also doubled up. I'm not going to go through all the assists because that'll be crazy. But to note, Carson Dorward did get four assists. And the last time somebody did that was Patrick Kordorinko back in 2019. So... This Carson Dorwar, Daniel Russell Jagger Joshua line is going on a absolute bender, and sure it was against LIU, but will this like this, this line is this line has been great this
2: line has been, this... Great. This line's been great all year, and I didn't expect. I think it's kind of it's a combination of things. Sorry, I mean, I I mean, yeah, I didn't know what to expect either because it's you're dealing with freshmen and a power forward that was never really known for scoring goals or anything like that. He was known for now he's
1: he, known for putting up hat tricks. Yeah, known, his, his,
2: Jagger Joshua's role. And like he said, offensive it himself, dynamo. Well, I mean, like he, he Jagger Joshua knows his role. He said that in the post game press conference after Saturday. Like he says he, he likes to think his game's a bit underappreciated because, you know, the way, like his role and all that, it's not something that shows up on the statue every night. But he, he knows what he is and he's, you know, likes to throw the body. He's good at it. He's very good at what he does. And I think it's that combined with you've got, you know, like more of the high speed, uh, you know, fast shot type uh, the kind of player that daniel russell is is kind of the antithesis of uh uh of Jagger Joshua. He's smaller, he's quick, and he's not very physical, but he's got a rocket of a shot. Uh and Carson has been has that chemistry with Daniel Russell, uh, from you know being teammates and juniors and stuff, um up at Sioux Falls. And I think it just it works. I don't know how, but it works. I, I want to do a little bit more yeah. of a deep dive into what exactly is making that line work so well together, but I've got another more in-depth piece I'm working on right now. So if the uh if uh, this first line does well this weekend again, then that might be an article that comes out
1: next week. Yeah, and this weekend against Notre Dame is going to be a big test.
2: Yeah The one that I'm doing the article I'm working on right now that should be up by the time uh the game starts at least. I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do a little more of a deep dive into why is the defense or like well, basically what has changed with last year's defense and this year's defense and how they're able to get that offense, offensive contributions because in this second game against LIU we had three of these eight goals came from defensemen, which is not something you would never really expect, uh, and especially in the way the way that team played in the past. Um, this is kind of a hypothetical. Something that just came to my mind. Just if he was still around, like with this current system, how do you think Dennis Asana would be would fair?
1: Oh my goodness! Like there, it it would honestly be like what are those good problems to have? Like MSU has so many capable defensemen. What do you do? You have to you have to bump somebody out of the lineup, which sucks, but it's a great problem to have. If Dennis Asana was in this lineup, he would be number one on the power play. He would be thriving. He would be paired with, I'm assuming Gucciardi or Neenhouse. I mean, they might go Kriegers. Just to have a you know defensive stalwart there but uh I mean Nightingale you've seen him pair Gucciardi with Nienhaus, so it's been like okay he wants the he wants the offensive explosion it's been working so if if Dennis Sazana got thrown into this you know you know how much Dennis Sazana loved jumping in on the forecheck loved weaving through the offense loved pushing the play himself he would absolutely thrive with this style offense and he would basically be an offenseman in this offense like he would go back on D but he would he would turn into an offensive player in my
2: mind. Yeah. I mean, regardless, I think it's one of those, yeah. Again, uh, the, I, the, you cannot really have any complaints so far with the system Not and how things are, have been operating uh, for Michigan State. But basically, to take a team, yeah, that was last year largely devoid of scoring talent and have them to be able to go out and hang eight on a team, any team, even whether it's LIU or... Anybody else, I think, is speaks volumes to I just the overall change that's happened in this program in the past three months, yeah, I, I,
1: especially against a good goalie too. Yeah,
0: and I think that kind of goes towards um this whole idea that Michigan State hockey is now running a sort of five man offense, especially getting those defensemen involved, even if it's just assists. Uh, I remember you were keeping track in that first LIU game how many goals up to that point in the season. Had been assisted or scored by a defenseman, and it's a clear majority. I forget the exact statistic. So I don't know if we've got. When that. I had
2: it, I had it written during the first game, and it was eight of the twelve goals to that point were scored. I did not, I, hadn't, I hadn't updated it for the eight to four one, uh, for the big eight to four win. Um, but you know, you can. It's at least like two thirds of the uh, of all these goals are coming like either assisted by or scored by defensemen. It's it's crazy. I mean, like they're they're getting involved on that offense. And like I said, it's really that it's the word they keep using a lot and uh, which is also going to be in the headline of this article probably uh is the the word the keyword is five-man unit on offense. Uh and it's kind of the way I don't know. I I keep talking about football when I say this. But one of, uh, one of the things that anal- or like an analogy that I had thought of because uh, I was watching ESPN the other day and they were saying something along the line like they're talking about the chiefs, and what makes the chiefs so good this year, even though they don't have Tyree kill, uh is like basically the way they spread the offense around is they like yeah, the way they spread offense around, they don't like consistently go to like one receiver or anything like that. they said the way, the way they used was they make you cover every blade of grass on the field. And I feel like it's kind of the same principle applies to this kind of the style of offense here. Everybody on the ice is a threat to score at one time. So you can't slack off of your of this defenseman here as the way you could last year because, you know, that man can jump in the rush. He knows where to be. And like, yeah, he can jump into the corner. You have to count for everybody on the ice at one time, which is not that easy to do.
0: Yeah, and we saw a good amount of that last weekend when they faced off against LIU. I mean, you're talking about Jagger Joshua with the hat trick, you know, basically up front, right in front of Vinny Papura, but you also had goals from people like David Gucciardi all the way from the blue line. So this is a team that can score and has shown they can score both in the slot in the crease and from the blue line, which completely different from the past however many years.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, night and day difference. Pun intended, I guess. <laughs> that I didn't was, no,
1: that's hey, just take credit for that. That was, that was good. Sure, <laughs> <that>. don't don't <laughs> be surprised. We're gonna make we're gonna make shirts that say that. <laughs> don't be
0: surprised if that ends up in a headline.
1: <laughs> that that's that's not bad. But uh, MSU did pull off the sweep against LIU, winning three one and eight four respectively. They moved to four and two overall, and then some other stats that I. I was really eager to look at after these games. MSU's shot totals and shot against totals. Right now, both top 5 in the country. So going a little bit into Corsi. Shots on goal per game, MSU is at 37.7 shots, like dang near two shots off 40. And then shots allowed per game is at 23.2. So like
2: they're making things wow. easy for Saints here.
1: Yeah, they're they're yeah, defense like I, I talked about it a little bit last pod. This defense is is quietly gonna be one of the Big Ten's best. And I was a little bit timid saying that last week. No, I'll say it this week. The the MSU's defense is going to be one of the strongest in the Big Ten by the end of the season. And I know I'm kind of jumping to conclusions because MSU hasn't even started in Big Ten play, and that's where it went all went downhill last year. No, I think I've seen enough, I've seen six games against decent enough quality competition on and off. I am comfortable with saying that this defense is is quietly one of the best in the Big Ten, and their offensive capability is is very very good. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what this team does in Big Ten regular season play.
2: Okay, at the at the risk of sounding like a broken record, because I, we, we, I think we talked touching this like briefly last week. Um, what the reason why I think you could you can look at kind of the underlying numbers with those early wins MSU had last year. And you can see the cracks in the armor. Like, you can look at the things that they were doing, the power play being so good, uh, the Drew DeRitter putting up all of these insane numbers, all that kind of stuff, right? You can look at those and you can see, okay, this early season success that MSU, or that MSU was having isn't really sustainable. Like, that was last year, yeah. Yeah. This year, I would say it's the opposite. I feel like the way, like, the underlying numbers and stuff, I think, say MSU is better than the record actually reflects. The like, the the main thing that was the issue, I think, was just converting their shots into goals. Um, because I think they were just running to some hot goalies and stuff early on. Like it, with those kind of consistent habits of putting that many shots on goal at one time, and kind of, and keeping that puck possession and doing things like that, those are things going to be more conducive to winning long term. As opposed to, you know, being like whatever, like absurdly high number they had in the power play at that point in the year. So I think that's what it is. It's you can look at the underlying numbers, and I think not only does it lead to be uh, or lead to more long term success. I think it honestly says that Michigan State is better at this point in the season than the record reflects.
1: I love that point, and that's kind of what I've been like thinking in my head as to why this team feels a lot different. So, thank you for putting that into words for me. But I, yeah, I think what they're doing, their offensive game plan, it's sustainable. It's not relying on the goalie to stand on his head and relying on power play. I mean, hey, the power play hasn't even been that good this year for MSU. I'm pretty sure they're pretty it's, par. It's middle of the road. Yeah, middle of the pack. So it's, it's like twenty percent, I think. They're not relying on I mean percent. Yes, sure the Jagger Joshua Dora Russell line is doing great, but they're not relying on just one line of scoring, which last year basically three quarters one, of the were, season was one on line of scoring. Person. Yeah. Lewandowski and then Middorf Tucker and Davidson. Yeah. But uh yeah, this I think yeah, you you hit the nail on the head. This this offensive attack and the everything they're running seems very sustainable. And that's why, you know, I'm, I as long as you see we got a lot more optimism in this season than the beginning of last season. I'll tell you that I'm I'm a lot more eager to come record this podcast, go cover this team because it it it's rejuvenation, it's energy, and I
2: love it. Yeah, even then when they were like getting down, uh, like I, I was making a joke to to one of you guys, uh, during the UMass Lowell game where they got uh, where, oh, it might have been might have been you, Jacob, but um, they were getting they got down early. And they had to kind of come back from it, uh and they almost did, but it was one of those things where it was like it, after that first goal, after they got down like what 2 nothing or whatever, I did, you don't get that feeling that they're out of the game already in the way that like once it was a feeling i I would have a lot of la, a lot of times last year where it was the moment like that first goal goes in, if it's kind of especially if it's kind of early, you think like, oh man, it's happening already." And this is this is gonna be fun, and but yeah, I don't have that feeling anymore. It's it's just weird. It's just it's very much a different feeling. It's a nice feeling. It is a nice feeling. So
1: with this sweep against LIU, how how much stock can you really put into an MSU team over sweeping LIU? Is this something we should hit home about, or just like okay, good, move on?
2: I think it's kind of I don't know. It's kind of tough to say. Because it's one of those things where it's like, you know, a sweep's a sweep. And sweeping is not hard, or is not easy to do in college hockey, no matter the team. But then again, it's also LIU. And so, like, let's, you know, it's one of those things. Temper the expectations a little bit. And look at, I think you have to look beyond what the actual, like, box scores and stuff say like yeah they won twice but look how they actually played in these games take away some
1: things from the game yeah
2: exactly mm-hmm. uh you have to look at how did the team play and what kind of things are they doing like like i like i said with that nightingale was talking about uh, with those scoring habits and things like that and not focusing necessarily on matchups i, I think you do have to look at those a little more and say oh These are all the things. These are all the things. Look how good the offense looked in this game. Look how little work Dylan St. Cyr has had to do (laughs) so far this weekend, and then Pierce Stras on the second night as well. Um, And like you can look at those and you think, okay, that's what I can put put stock in, as opposed to just you know a sweep of a team that's in its third year of existence.
0: Yeah, and I think. uh... Going into this series, I had a lot more stock invested in the outcome. I saw Vinnie Purpura 6-6, uh, 946 save percentage going into the match. After some pretty close games, I mean, they won 7-1 against Stonehill, but overtime lost to Northeastern. Uh, they went to overtime against Quinnipiac. One goal lost to Rensselaer. So it seemed like they were much better than a team that's only existed for three years. And I think they still are. I don't think the score really reflects how improved this team seems. But, I mean, that first game, it was pretty clear Michigan State was going to win after that second period. And then going into that third period, and Saturday, talk about Jagger Joshua Hattrick, 8-4 score, it's less of this sweep doesn't hold as much stock and more of i don't want to get ahead of myself especially first road series big 10 play this is this next series is really a make or break moment so if it wasn't going into this i think the the sweep of long island would mean a little bit more
1: for me msu puts Two W's on the calendar over LIU's logo. They move on. They did the job that they were supposed to do against a lesser opponent. They got the sweep. It was a little bit shaky going into it because, like, like you said, Phillips, LIU actually had some impressive performances to start the season. But if you're MSU, you take the dubs, you move on, and you that's it. Like you know, you go like, okay, we proved ourselves. We know what we could do. But it's all about this week. This week is going to be a huge teller as to how this team will fare in the Big Ten because they're facing a rather good Big Ten opponent, number 12, Notre Dame. They go to Compton Family Ice Arena and take them on. Uh, Notre Dame did finish 28-12 and 12 last year in the Big Ten, so pretty impressive. They finished third overall. And then right now, Notre Dame is currently three wins, two losses, one tie this season with a sweep over Northern Michigan and a split against Western Michigan. So some mixed results. They also did get like 5-2 loss against Denver, and Denver's a good team. So some mixed results, but in my mind, Notre Dame's a good team. Notre Dame's great competition, and MSU always, always plays them close. So it's going to be a very interesting series, and it's going to tell a lot as to What Notre Dame is going to look like for the season and what MSU is going to look like for the season. So, what do you guys? What do you guys have on the series?
2: Yeah, I mean, games at Compton are always weirdly close for whatever reason. MSU generally has a pretty good track record at Compton. I think better than any other arena in the Big Ten. But honestly, I'm not that sold on Notre Dame this year so far. From what I've seen from them so far, I mean, I I don't really I don't give too much stock into a win or to a sweep of Northern Michigan. Shout-out Aiden Gallagher. Shout-out Christoph Papp. But, um, I mean, the Western game, um, I mean, they won 2-0 at uh, at Compton, and then they got shut out when they went to Kalamazoo for zip. So, I don't really know. The only, like, legitimate teams... I, I like Western a lot this year, uh, and I like Denver, obviously but all I, I mean i'm just not really sold either way right now i don't think from what i've seen of their records so far i don't think they are deserving of a rank, of a number 12 ranking in the poll right now um i mean they're all right and they're they're still a good team but like i'm look i also look at like you know some of their other stats and things like that you know like power plays pretty average penalty kill is actually below average um there's not all that much i look at and i think like oh this is where they're gonna get them this is where they get teams you know Mm. like their goaltending is all right nothing crazy um it's just yeah like i said not like anything particularly wild for notre dame all like the underlying numbers and stuff like that they put up so far with special teams, goaltending, all that, have been pre-middle of the road. So I'm not, I don't really know. I feel like this is this is honestly going to be a closer series than people think.
0: I think looking ahead to this Michigan State-Notre Dame series, I don't want to look at the Long Island series. I think going back looking at UMass Lowell is much more appropriate. I like that, yeah. The, the last time I saw Notre Dame play here at Munn, it was... Incredibly physical game, much like playing UMass Lowell. It was very close. Michigan State, like you said, for some reason, likes to play up to the competition against Notre Dame. It's seemingly always close. And I think uh, I think this team's got a, sh- a shot uh, to split. I kind of just blew my pick there.
1: <laughs> but, no! No! Uh, I'll bleep it out. They have no idea. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to go it's, back and add a bleep there.
0: <laughs> my uh, my take is that if Michigan State from you know three or four years ago could play up to Notre Dame, Michigan State now, yes, they're going to travel to Notre Dame, but I think it's going to be a a series that they can fare well in. If, as long as they keep those, you know, as Stinson brought up, those scoring habits, keeping those shots on goal, keeping that aggressive forecheck as they get into Big Ten play, this could be a huge point for Michigan State. Not just, you know, for a Big Ten player for the season, but really kind of setting Big Ten play in the Nightingale era off on the right or wrong foot.
1: Yeah, this is going to be a big. I don't want to say prove it week because last year, every week's a prove it week. Yeah, last year on the podcast we pretty much said that every week. It's just going to be an eye opening week as to how these two teams will really look and how they will fare in Big Ten competition. I think this is kind of a fifty fifty matchup, and that may be me just injecting the eight goal LIU series sweep right into my brain. But I think it's going to be a fifty fifty, and that's coming off of me saying. I think Notre Dame is winning the Big Ten. I said that in a couple pods last year. I think they're sneakily a really just well-balanced team that can score with any line. And I mean, sure, they're 3-2-1 and one to begin the season. It's, it's a small sample size. We can't really, you know, make a conclusion as to what a Notre Dame team or any team is like in the Big Ten. But I think it's going to be extremely even. I think it's going to be a very, very 50-50 battle. And... I mean, hey, if you look at the results of last year, three out of the four games that these two teams played together, it's a one goal scoreline. It's it's always close. MSU always plays up to Notre Dame. It seems like M- Notre Dame plays maybe a little bit down to MSU, but I think it's 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 literally gonna be a toss up for me. And it uh I'll I'll kind of segue going into uh going into who wins if. So for me, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with kind of what I went with last week, but I'll change it up a little bit just to not be a complete broken record. But I think MSU wins if they they score first or go up by two. If MSU goes up by two, I don't see a world where Notre Dame comes back. I mean, like I said, they're a well-balanced team that can score on you with four lines, but I've seen a, a decent amount of MSU defense, and I think they could comfortably shut down some teams when they need to. Obviously, UMass Lowell and Bowling Green, a couple periods were shaky, but I think that they're going to stand up to the competition, and I think MSU will pull a game or two if they get on that scoreboard early and they double up.
2: I mean, yeah, you you made a good point about, you know, if basically not having to play from behind ever. And obviously, that's also important. I think one other big thing to kind of tack on to that as well is going to be the power play. Uh, Notre Dame's power play or penalty kill is not that good this year. It's... Ooh. uh. If you're talking national rankings, it ranks 40th, and it's about 74%. So I think now, especially after last weekend, a lot of there's a lot of guys out there that I think are kind of starting to find their groove on offense a little bit. Um, one of the guys that I'm mentioning in the preview for this week um, is Carson Dorwart. Came out of that Long Island series with the goal and four assists. Ooh. So like, it's, got, it's guys like that. There's a, a few guys where it's like even you know while they're not putting up numbers on the scoreboard or anything like that, they are finding way like they're still playing very well, playing smart, and it's one of those things where it's like you, they just got to keep kind of playing the way they're playing, and the goals will come eventually. Um, but like they're a lot of guys pl- making the right decisions, um, and doing a lot of doing a lot of the right things, and so I think. Um, there's a lot of yeah, a lot of that team is finding its groove on offense, um, and especially that power play, that top power play line of Joshua Dorwart, Russell Mueller, and Bazgall, has been phenomenal. Watching them, um, and they're they're really I, starting to kind of you know figure things out a little bit and figuring out better ways to get the puck into the back of the goal.
1: It so, doesn't like, look like they've only spent six games together,
2: right? And so that's the thing with it, is I think if Michigan State can take that's going to be the I think the easiest opportunity to pick up goals is going to be on the power play. It always is. Yeah, I was like, going to say. Yeah, I mean, that, like that this out. so <laughs> this so more than more than other times. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's I think that's going to be the real bread and butter this weekend is going to be that power play. So MSU wins if they do what
1: Phillips.
0: I'm I'm trying to go through, essentially, a laundry list in my head of, oh, I want to say this, but there's also this. So I'm going to keep it with my initial gut reaction. Michigan State, I feel like, can take this game if they maintain, uh, I'm going to sound like a broken record, that aggressive forecheck we've seen, dominating uh, time with the puck, keeping it in the offensive zone, limiting the work that St. Cyr has to do, but also continuing to put those shots on goal, you know, it's it's been done to death. You you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take in hockey. I'm a huge fan of massively outscoring your opponent. So
2: I think most people are. Also, <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh do you have anything else to add?
0: Uh for Michigan State, no.
2: Okay. I had I I one thing. I can't believe we never mentioned this. It's a Dylan Sancy revenge game. Oh
1: my goodness gracious. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, he didn't say He spent four out of his (laughs) five years before this at Notre Dame. Yeah,
2: four years at Notre Dame and then transferred to Quinnipiac for last year, and now he's at Michigan State.
1: Yeah, I think he was a starter at least two years at Notre Dame. So, he's yeah, he definitely has some, some like, he wants to prove. He
2: is very familiar with Compton Family Ice Arena. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, in in the way he's been playing this year, I, yeah, I mean, expect him to come out with a chip on his shoulder.
1: Yeah, I expect him to play both games, unless, (laughs) unless he drops an absolute goose egg or something the first game, but.
0: Oh, absolutely. 100%. He's, he's, I mean, he's gotten
2: the, he's gotten the every start but one so far. Yeah.
1: it's the Dylan Saints Revenge Tour. Last week it was the Adam Goodser coming back to MSU Tour. This week it's it's Dylan Saints here going back to Notre Dame. That's that's cool. I I like that narrative. We should have been pushing that before. So. I, I can't believe we didn't I not until just now. Ugh. So um for me, Notre Dame will win this win a game or two in the series if they really gotta, gotta focus on slowing down MSU's offense first and foremost. LIU did it very well. I'm not sorry, not liu. Jesus Christ, liu did not do it very well in any periods. Uh, UMass Lowell did it very well in many periods in that series. There were a lot of periods where you come out of it and it's like, wow, Lowell dominated that. Lowell definitely had control, and MSU looked shut down. And then a third period in that game, MSU exploded. But you you've seen you've seen a team do it. You've seen Lowell do it and have success with it. So if you're Notre Dame, you look at that and you go like, okay, cool, that worked. How are we going to do this? The way they're going to do it is try to disrupt the the attack building from the neutral zone into the offense. MSU is no longer the dump and chase team. Just go dump it into the corner and chase. They do it very strategically where they'll gain the blue line. They know their, their, guy, their wingers has more speed so he could beat them to the corner and they'll pick it up that way. If Notre Dame steps up on the blue line, disrupts their offense from the roots, which Lowell did very well in those periods they were able to stop him. That's where Notre Dame will be able to win a couple games and stop this uh, MSU of MSU offensive barrage of thirty seven point seven shots on net because they they will not win these games if MSU gets over thirty eight shots on net. I I feel pretty confident saying that. So uh, yeah, uh, Notre Dame just has to has to muck it up in the neutral zone a little bit and slow down the MSU offense if they want to get some dubs this weekend.
2: Yeah, and that's kind of been how Notre Dame has historically been is that, you know, bigger, a little bit more slower, but physical brand of hockey. Um, that's what they generally like to play under Jeff Jackson. And, yeah, I mean, if, I, that's kind of the thing is they're going to have to be the ones that really muscle MSU off the puck this weekend. Um, and so they where they can't really get set up in the offensive zone like that. Um, I think that's going to be the expected for them this weekend.
0: I would say not so much the opposite, but I think Notre Dame can take advantage of a a little bit of a faster, uh, maybe not faster, but more comfortable Michigan State offense, because one thing that we saw against Long Island, against UMass Lowell, is just these turnovers and these bad passes really costing Michigan State not only scoring chances, but many times goals. Uh, So I think Notre Dame can... Even, even if Michigan State goes up by one or two and starts to get even more aggressive and comfortable with their cross-ice passing, I think Notre Dame can take advantage of that and easily turn things around. So for me, Notre Dame can pull this off if they really shut down Michigan State's passing and kind of disconnect the players from each other. You know, we've, set, we've talked about it so much already, that five-man unit mentality. If you can split up that five-man unit I think that's going to be the key for Notre Dame.
1: That's a good point. I like that. Because you've seen MSU, once their offense is clicking, it's clicking and it's looking great. But when their offense is sputtering and they're trying to force stuff through the middle and they're trying to force long stretch passes and they're trying to carry the puck for maybe a second or two too long, that's when it goes wrong. And that's, that's been something that if they clean that aspect of their game up, which I think they will over the season, those those falls usually go away once you know you get 10 games under your belt and you get back into the regular Big Ten play, but what once they clean that stuff up, that yeah, MSU should be looking really strong. So yeah, I like I like that point right there. And uh, so yeah, moving on, moving on from the from the Notre Dame preview, looking at the Big Ten as a whole. Holy crap! Five out of the seven Big Ten teams are still ranked. Every single Sh- one has votes. Shocker! Yeah, this week every single one has votes. So MSU, Minnesota.
2: That's something we never mentioned either. <laughs> MSU finally got votes in the poll this week. Yeah, they got seven. Minnesota
1: checks it at number one. Michigan moves from five to fourth. OSU at 11. Notre Dame at 12. Penn State that just creep in there at 16th. Shouldn't be there. And then MSU, like you said, gets seven votes. They're not in the top 20. Also,
2: Wisconsin has one.
1: Okay, two and four Wisconsin after sweeping number 10 Minnesota State. Minnesota Duluth. Minnesota Duluth at Minnesota Duluth. Nobody, none of us saw that coming.
2: Uh, I mean, and looking, they at got this, l- of votes. looking back at this, I, I uh. it kind of makes a little bit more sense. No. To be fair, well, okay, so look at the team. Well, yes, Wisco was 0-4 going into that game. They got Same. swept by Ohio State and St. Cloud. Yeah, two good two good
1: teams. Those are very good teams. But I, didn't spe- I would expect them to maybe split against Duluth, if anything, not sweep at Duluth.
2: And then going into that game, Duluth was... One and, th- or no, sorry, they were two and three. They were two and two. They had swept Arizona State and then lost to Mankato. And they got like, well, they got obliterated by Mankato 6 nothing first game. Yeah. But, I don't know. So, I feel like writing was a little bit there on the wall if we looked more into it. But, I mean, good gosh. Like, ugh. Good,
1: good, golly, gosh! Wisconsin is back, everybody. the, uh, let's, whole, let's the pump whole The whole Big pump Ten, the, pump the The whole bit. Big Ten is going to be ranked in the top twenty at some point. Pump the brakes a little bit. That would be it. no, no. as we're going into big Ten play. That's that's totally not going to happen. But that would be pretty
2: crazy. The Big Ten is. I think will still be the. I think it's. Gonna, I think it's still going to be the best conference in college hockey this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know because it's kind of tough. There's some really good conferences out there. Hockey East is looking nice this year, and the NCHC is for that matter too.
1: So, moving on from that, it's America's favorite segment. You guessed it. It's the behind-the-mask pick em. Some updated standings for you guys. Obviously, last week we started fresh. All started at zero clean slate. After one week, I have seven points. I'm Actually, no, I'm not going to do it that way. That, that way doesn't make sense. After one week, Jacob Stitson. Double digits. He got ten points. He is in the lead.
2: Do we want to do Boo. the breakdown of who got
1: what? Uh yeah, we could yeah. You could say what you got Hold right here. I gotta quick.
2: pick I gotta pull up the document. I yeah. none of us got any bonus points. Uh because we no all messed bonus up parlay. We yeah. all messed up the parlay. Okay, yeah. Um I messed up I picked Sacred Heart to sweep Niagara, it didn't happen. Uh and I picked Clarkson to sweep Mercyhurst, it didn't happen. I did get the Union sweeping U or UMass sweeping Union and Arizona State sweeping Colorado College. Oh, if
1: if we didn't get the parlay, just don't even bother. Me. Okay, so we didn't. Okay, fine. Uh, let's get the parlay. Our main points, we'll, yeah. Okay, but just I just say parlay didn't hit.
2: Out of the seven games that I could have picked, I was correct uh, on uh, all of them except the Wisco-Duluth series. So, wow. recapping it: Michigan uh, uh, swept Lake Superior State. Um, me, Phillips, and Joe all got it. Ryan did not. Um, I was going bold for that one. Nodak versus Minnesota was a split. Um, we all, except Phillips, got it right. Um, and then Notre Dame versus Western. Uh, me and Joe got it right. Uh, Ryan and Phillips did not. Uh, we all got Bentley over uh, getting swept by Ohio State. And we all got Penn State sweeping St. Thomas. Uh, none of us got Wisco sweeping Duluth and then me and Ryan got Shocker. MSU sweeping Long Island. So yeah, so, Stincy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, go ahead. That that leads, yeah, that leads back to where we are. Uh, I got 10, Ryan has 7, Phillips has 6 and Joe has 8. So no no tie
1: after week 1, which is kind of cool. I like that. So uh hey, with with the standings updated with the picks in, Ladies' and Gentlemen, week 2 of the pickums, Stincy the first game on the slate number 4 Michigan versus number 17 Western Michigan traveling across the state in a home and
2: home series who you got i really like western this year man they i don't know i really like western i've got a split here i don't know that's as good as michigan is i do i really like western i think they're very, I, I think they'll be kind of back up to where they were at last year um as yeah, far I'm as getting, kind of assembling that like getting back up into the top 10 at some point late during the year this is going to be the weekend. They make a statement. Split. Where's Michigan?
1: Yeah, I picked them to win it all last year. Plus, so. <laughs> we can't. We
2: also can't forget Michigan. Uh, granted, different regime. Uh, the last time Michigan and Western tried to play each other, what happened there? That was the. That was Gli.
1: The weird like. That was the, the weird, weird game. No game. That was the no game, and then well, okay, game. Okay, <laughs> so let, let me think how this worked. Actually, let's bring you back in time.
2: How did this work? So it was Michigan was scheduled to play Western for the first game of the GLI. Um, and then the next night they were going to play Michigan Tech. So they had announced like, or no, so it was the other way around actually. So it was, or I don't know, it doesn't matter. Uh, So they One announced like on Tuesday of that week that they had canceled the Western game due to COVID issues on Michigan. Yet they still went out and played the Michigan Tech game.
1: Yeah, which is like, uh, what? I don't know. It made no sense. To me. Michigan ducked Western Michigan that yeah. that year. They were scared, clearly, yeah, definitely.
2: <laughs> so whatever. Split though. Split Phillips. Who you got?
0: Oh man, I'm 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 still struggling to make this pick because I I want to say Michigan because I think Western burned me last week a little bit. Yeah. You know, I went. I went with Broncos country. I wrote. I you rode did with, Broncos
1: ride country. with Broncos nation, did, and it bucked you right off.
0: And I'm in last place right now. <laughs> so I I still like Western Michigan, but I, I think Michigan is. I mean, they're they're number four for a reason. You know, they two of their wins are against Lindenwood, but you know, splitting against Boston University, but one of those nine-two win. <sighs> Jesus Christ! And then sweeping Lake Superior State. It's really hard for me to pick. Anything but a Michigan sweep at this point. As much as I want to pick a split, so it, no joke, I rolled, I rolled a di- uh, a dice on this. I rolled a die on this, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep the the Michigan sweep pick.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm going, I'm going split. Two good teams. I think these teams, if you look at them near the end of the year, they're going to be kind of the same in standings. So two good teams. It's a home gnome series. Little rivalry matchup. Give me a split. And Joe, who is not here, he also goes with the split. So we got three splits. And then Phillips is going bold with the Michigan sweep. So I mean,
0: splits are boring.
1: Splits are boring. And I am, you guys are going to learn that I am an exceedingly boring person this week as time goes on. But we'll get to that. It's number one for the second straight week Minnesota going to number 11 Ohio State to kick off Minnesota's Big Ten play. Ohio State already played Notre Dame earlier. But. Number one versus number eleven. Who you got, Stency?
2: This is tough. I I think I gotta go split here. Um, Ohio State, I think, deserves to be a top ten team. Minnesota's good, but they're not unbeatable. As they've proven the last two weekends they've played were against some other really good teams in Mankato and North Dakota, and they were both splits. I think the same's gonna happen with Ohio State. Simple as that. Ohio State been really good this year. The only game they lost was one time to UConn, who was also like a top ten team. So UConn's back. Granted, the other ones are, but they've also just completely whooped some really bad teams. But I got, I got to split though. Give me, give me a split. How split, you doing? Splits are boring. Splits are splits boring. boring. Splits yes. are boring. But I, splits
0: are
1: boring. I will stand by that. Sure. Even, even though what I'm doing this week.
2: I mean, yes, splits may be boring, but they're points.
1: Splits out, sweeps in.
0: Yeah, but you you don't kick a field goal at fourth and one with Russell Wilson. <laughs>
2: no, I say that, and I mean, if you're if you're the Broncos, yeah, you'd take anything over Russell Wilson right now, but.
0: I'm uh I'm I'm picking Minnesota. I didn't really go off of standings but you know obviously number 1 I think Ohio State has had kind of an easy run except for Connecticut, I mean Mercyhurst, Wisconsin, Bentley and they're not except for the one one of those wins against Bentley. They're not really Well, I mean Mercyhurst was kind of convincing, but Wisconsin, those were both one-goal games which if if you're Ohio State, you kind of want to see a little bit more of a, a point differential there between you and Wisconsin. Meanwhile, Minnesota convincing wins against Lindenwood, uh, a loss to Minnesota State, and an overtime loss to North Dakota, but this is one of those that it's going to split, but splits are boring. I'm going with Minnesota. <laughs>
1: I like that, and that was my energy last year. I'm uh, I'm not really switching it up too much, but this week I am going against my grain. It's it's two good teams, and I, I, in all honesty, I think Minnesota's going to be the— not the league's better team, but Minnesota's going to be the better team at the end of the year over Minnesota and Ohio State. Both have already proven that they could hang with the big dogs. Uh, OSU against UConn with a tie and a loss. I mean, I guess that's hanging with them. And then Minnesota already with a split against Minnesota State and North Dakota. So both teams are proven relatively into the season. It's it's hard to sweep in college hockey, especially when both teams are very, very good. So give me the boring splits. And then Joe, he's going. He's going the Phillips way. He's going Minnesota sweep. So we got two splits coming out from me and Stincy, two Minnesota sweeps coming out from Phillips and Joe.
0: Look, I mean, in at this point, I'm in last place. I've got by everything. One, do. Week it's week one. one. It's week it's one. Week one. <laughs> oh my you, goodness. You severely you... overestimate this. I'm <laughs> I'm going full in. Like I'm 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 going full out with these picks and uh I love the energy. I'm I'm not gonna learn by the end of this year. That yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh moving on, number sixteen, quote unquote, Penn State at the the now. Two and four, undefeated since last week, Wisconsin Patchers. I've,
2: yeah. I've never heard that phrase used before. Undefeated since last week. Um, Who you guys got? Uh, Penn State's really going to start the season 6 0, aren't they? Or 8 0, I mean? Yeah, 8 0. No. They're going to start the season 8 0. And then they're going to be in for a rude awakening because after this weekend, they get Michigan and Minnesota on back to back weekends. Woo. Um. And then Michigan State the weekend after. Powerhouse. Exactly. Um but yeah. Wisconsin, yes, they swept Duluth, but you know, also eh. Not not sold. Penn State Sweep.
0: Yeah, for, for once I'm gonna agree and say Penn State sweep. I think Yeah, Wisconsin swept, but can't get comfortable and Penn State's been on a roll. Yeah, I mean and we kind of saw this earlier in, in the one of the I think actually the only Big 10 series to play so far Ohio State Wisconsin Ohio State you know I said it wasn't really convincing but it's still a sweep and I think uh Penn I think Penn State's got the same kind of energy going into this game I think Penn State takes this
1: so you got you guys got two sweeps for Penn State I'm going to go ahead and reveal Joe's it's also a sweep for Penn State Screw that. Screw you guys. I'm going with a split. Yes, my third split out of three picks this week. I, I was never on the Wisconsin is totally garbage train last week. I was listening to it, but I was silently sitting in my seat going like, you know, you know, Wisconsin did do decent at Ohio State. There was a one-goal game in there. And then and then against number two, St. Cloud State, they did get swept, but if I if I can pull it up here. One of the games was one to five. That's not good. But another game, it's it's one to two against the number two team. So like it was like okay, Wisconsin bad, haha. But no, I don't, I I, I don't think they're they're that bad. And obviously, winning two games against Minnesota Duluth at Minnesota Duluth, five two and three zero respectively. It's like a, oh shoot, holy crap, Wisconsin actually is a good team? Question mark. So I'd say they travel to Happy Valley, and they pick up one out of two wins, and they come out with a split on the weekend. So uh, three Penn State sweeps coming from everybody except for me, and I pick the split. So last game on the slate for Big Ten pick-ums. Moving on to the parlay after this, but these are all the points that count. These are all the points that no matter what happens, we will get unless we get them wrong. It's the last no- a Big Ten matchup on the slate, it's Michigan State kicking off their Big Ten regular season play at Family Compton Ice Arena. Take on the number 12. Notre Dame fighting Irish. Who well, you got, Stincy?
2: I got a split. Uh, like I said, I think Notre Dame is a bit overrated. MSU has been punching above its weight all year. Um, I, re- I like what I've seen at MSU. I don't like what I've seen as much out of Notre Dame. So I think it's a split. Notre Dame's still a good team, though. Don't get me wrong.
0: So I kind of revealed my pick earlier when I said I think Michigan State's going to split. But... but I've talked myself into a different decision. Yeah. I'm going all sweeps in Big 10 play this week. I think it's I mean it's Ooh. it's just it's going to be brutal for the Big 10 this week. I'm going to go with Michigan State because just going off of how I've seen Notre Dame play and I've seen Michigan State play in the past and they've still managed to keep it close to Notre Dame. This is a completely different system, and I could be very wrong about this, but I like the way Adam Nightingale's offense looks in comparison to previous years. So I think this is going to be the year Michigan State goes to Notre Dame and sweeps. Wow. So potentially looking at zero points this week, but hey, I mean, come on. Come at me. No,
1: it's it's fun, and I I, I like those picks. And uh, even though I like that pick, I I was actually thinking I was I was dabbling with uh, MSU picking up a road sweep against the number twelve team. I was thinking of it, and then I was thinking Notre Dame may they might they might sweep at home. But it's we've talked about it all pod. It's Michigan State Notre Dame. Whatever, whatever one's up or down, they always seem to play very close level. Even though they're they may not be a close level competition it's majority one goal scoring games and they they're always always that not always down to the wire it's it's close the point i'm making long-winded point is it's going to be close it's going to be a split and i don't think any team will actually pull off the sweep i think they're very even and even though i'm very high on notre dame this year i think they will pull away later in big time play but starting out big time play at least for michigan state it's it's going to be it's going to be a split it's going to be a split and that is uh Four, four splits for me, I don't think I've ever done that to pick Big Ten play in these now 30 I'm doing this. But we got three splits because Joe also picked a split in this series. So three splits and then Philip standing alone with his MSU pick also going all sweeps on this week. Picking Michigan to sweep, Minnesota to sweep, Penn State to sweep, and MSU to sweep. We'll see how it pays off. But uh, what really could pay off a little bit more is the bonus picks of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, we listed every other matchup in college hockey this week. And all we have to do is we have to pick correct sweeps. If the team that we picked to sweep does sweep, we get a point. But we parlay it with every other team we pick to sweep. So if you guess three teams that sweep, that's three bonus points. If you guess three teams that sweep but one of them gets one of them splits, you don't get any points, you lose the whole parlay just like betting, you know, all that all that all that good, bad, amazing, ugly stuff. But uh yeah, let's let's get right into it. What are your what are your guys' bonus locks of the week for the parlay?
2: So I think what I did last week, I burned myself. I kind of bit off more than I could chew as far as trying to put too many people together on this parlay, trying to go for the jackpot. I'm I'm t- taming it down a little bit. I've only got three teams this week. I've got Minnesota State sweeping Bowling Green at home. I have UMass sweeping Merrimack this weekend at home. And I have St. Cloud sweeping Bemidji in a home-and-home this weekend. And that's it. Okay. that's And
1: if it pays off, you get, what, three, you said? Yeah, we three points. Three, three extra points if all of those sweeps hit. Who you got, Phillip's?
0: Kind kind of similar. Last week, I felt like I looked at a bunch of matchups and said, I specifically Mercyhurst Clarkson. I looked and said, the this game is gonna these these are gonna sweep, or these, sorry these are gonna split, but I'm gonna pick to sweep, and that ended very bad for me. I'm playing a little bit more. I won't say safe. I'll say streamlined. I've only got two picks this week. Number three, Denver at Miami. I think even even though Denver has been knocked off the number 1 pedestal, they're still a really good team. So I'm going to take Denver to sweep and then I'll also take Colorado College versus Air Force because they beat them 5 to 1 in a preseason exhibition match and I'm that's a pretty clear indicator to me. I'll I'll regret it later, but for now, I'm saying Colorado to sweep.
1: So those are your picks of the week. You only got two, right? Only two. Only two. So we're we're all going a little, just a little game or two smaller than last week. I'm going with three picks. I am going Sacred Heart sweeping Canisius. Uh, I am going Bowling Green getting swept by number eight, Minnesota State. And then I am going for... RPI over Union, and that is that is all the three I'm going for. Obviously, three bonus points if all of those sweeps hit correctly. And then for Joe, he has, let me count them, one, two, three. Also on the board, he also matched up my uh, RPI over Union sweep. He also said number five UMass in a home-and-home home series will sweep over Merrimack. And then to close off his bonus picks, St. Cloud State, number two, Taking the sweep over Bemidji State. So some bonus points on the line. Not going anything crazy. But that's what we got for this week of the Pick So we'll see if it pays off next week. Uh it's coverage this week. Sadly, we uh it's 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 an away week and hockey doesn't really get much privilege to travel, rightfully so. Uh but uh what what uh what we got a preview going up. We're gonna have recap, maybe some takeaways if, if we get some eyes on the game, but what what we got?
2: I mean, yes, I got a preview that should be coming out soon, um, probably like tomorrow or the day after. Um, and then I also have, I was talking about that other article I got in the works right now, um, doing a little bit more of a deep dive on how the defense is getting involved with the offense a little bit more, as opposed to last year, that whole five-man unit thing I was talking about as well. I don't know. There's a lot of things in the pipeline as far as articles, trying to get a little more in-depth on things. Um, so we'll see how that turns out. We'll see what, what, what I can crank out.
1: So go ahead and check out impact89fm.org and uh, go under hockey. They'll probably be there. Some good stuff to read or or follow our socials because we sometimes do stuff on there. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, real quickly, just because I feel like, you know, I'll run through it. MSU this week, obviously going to number 12, Notre Dame. This obviously opens up their Big Ten slate. After this, they got two home series in a row—one against Wisconsin and the one against Ohio State. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun fun couple weeks to start off the Big Ten play, and we're really gonna get to see what Notre Dame looks like, what Michigan State looks like, what the Big Ten as a whole looks like now that most of them are actually facing each other. It's gonna be a, a rather proving week, but that's gonna wrap up this episode of Behind the Mask from Ryan alongside Jacob Stinson and Jacob Phillips. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week to break down all of the Notre Dame action and preview MSU's next matchup. Have a great one. Stay safe, and we'll see you next week.